Father, wash us once again by the water of your word. Sanctify us a little more and enable us, Lord Father, to think your thoughts and, Lord, to align our minds and our thoughts with your with your mind and with the way that you think, O oh Lord. To that end, I pray that you would bless even the meditation of this word. And, Lord, uh, open our ears and open our hearts and grant us willingness to obey and put to practice what we hear this morning. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. So before we start, once again, I want to uh, wish our dear Dr. Richard Luke, um, that's his last name now, dear Dr. Richard Luke, a very happy birthday, may the Lord bless him and keep him, it's been a tremendous blessing to us as a church, uh, may the Lord continue to use him mightily in the days to come, um, in whatever capacity the Lord is going to uh, use him, let him be found willing, Amen. So let's read from Matthew chapter 21 and uh, read from verses 1 to 34, sorry, 33 to 34. Matthew chapter 21 verses 33 to 34. Uh, This is, of course, uh, after the parable of the two sons, uh, the obedient and the disobedient. Um, Jesus is speaking another parable, obviously, of course. Uh, put to put these parables in the larger context of what's happening over here, Jesus enters into Jerusalem over the uh, on the donkey and um, he goes into the temple, cleanses the temple, and obviously to the consternation of all the religious leaders, and they don't take it too kindly as to what he does, and therefore they begin they come to him and begin to question him and question him on his authority as to with what authority he's doing whatever whatever he's doing. And of, of course, Jesus answers them with a question with a question. And then, of course, he gives the parable of the two sons and then followed by this parable. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to the wine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the wine dressers that they may receive its fruit. That's interesting. Stop there. Certain landowner, okay, he planted a vineyard. He said hedged, uh, uh, set a hedge around it. He dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And then he leased it and went into a far, far country. So, and what did, what did he, uh, uh, why did he send his servants? What, for, what was the reason for him to send servants to the wine dressers that they may receive fruit? Looks for fruit. There's a principle, okay. I think we all, when we work, we're looking for fruit for our labor. Right? Well, work hard. For in your studies, what are you expecting? Not just 10 out of 10. Expecting a rank. Which will take you to the higher class. 10 out of 10, okay. That's one fruit. The second fruit is, of course, we are looking for... We, we, are, we, we work with expectation, right? No human being invests something of value without expecting any result. Okay, that is, we know it. What do you think about God? <laughs> Look at what uh, Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7. 
whoever goes to war at his own expense? Question mark. Second part. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Okay. So that's interesting. <laughs> Jesus was hungry and he went to the fig tree and he sought for fruit and he found none. And therefore he cursed it. So God is a God who expects fruit. <laughs> fruit is of course um, something which is organic. Alright. Unless you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will not bear fruit. That We know all that. But there's an expectation of fruit and we know various kinds of fruit. We studied in ex- exhaustive detail in, in different studies. But he expects fruit. If you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 6 to 9, you'll see this principle uh, appearing over and over again in the Bible. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Of course, this fig tree, uh, generally, typically, whenever you have a fig tree, it is referring to the Israel, okay? To Israel. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Why is it using up my resources? Okay, I am a steward. I am pouring my life into this. I am expecting fruit. Now that's exactly what many professors do. No? They really, really give their heart and soul into the, into the class. And what are they expecting from their students? That they do well. Okay, and a few of them would join his laboratory and uh, become research assistants. I'm just <laughs> giving you a, a typical university setup, right? You know, um, generally what happens when you, once you go to the graduate level, even professors are competing for students. So they offer different different courses to attract the students, and we give some fundu titles, you no, know, robotic manipulation and control, and all that stuff, you no, know, fundu titles. And then you have, you attract the students to your class, but not many professors are able to keep the students for long interested, no? <laughs> but those people are interested, this guy really goes heart and soul. Um, 12 or 15 students, what I had a class now, I had a class of 15 students, uh, when I first taught robotics at the graduate level, that is the, at the master's level. And out of that, I had one student who came to me and he said, I want to work with you in your research. That had produced one journal paper. Okay, so this is this is what this is what we want to do, right? You work, and we are expecting labor. I mean, fruit for our labor, All right? And God is also investing so much, and He is expecting what fruit? See, so don't no. God is a steward of His resources. Okay, He is going to ask account for everything <laughs> that He has given to us. Of the talents, of the time, and of the money, and a free resource that he has blessed us with, he is going to ask an account. And to whom much is given, much will be required. That's the principle of the kingdom. He didn't go to all the other nations and say, okay, where is the fruit? No, no, no. He says, of all the nations of the world, you only have I known, and therefore, what? I will visit you, or punish you for your iniquities. He says in Amos chapter 3. Right? So, he is a God who expects fruit. So don't misunderstand, don't, don't ever, ever take it for granted. That's it. That's the reason why it says in 1 John chapter 15 verse 7, he says, it is to my Father's glory you bear fruit. 
<clears throat> you bear. Okay. And uh, he who bears fruit, what does he do? He will prune so that you bear more fruit. Oh boy, we want a, we want a, we, uh, God wants a bunch of guys, a set of people who are fruitful in God's kingdom. Fruitful in different ways. In terms of the walk, in terms of life, in terms of bearing, uh, what do you call, uh, um, children, spiritual children, etc. See, these are the things that God is looking for. Hmm? For fruit. So what happened? So, he comes to the vineyard and he looks for fruit. And what does he do? He sends a few of his servants. Come back to Matthew chapter 21. And verse 34 onwards. So now, the, now when the vintage time drew near, he sent his uh, servants to the wine dressers that they might receive its fruit. You know, you can just just, just uh, do a word study on each of these words and you'll get, get what is vintage time. It's a good question to ask. Hmm? What is this wine dressers? Good question to ask. Maybe you can study that. Okay, then move on. To receive its fruit. And what happens? Verse 35. The wine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first. Wow. Oh, he didn't stop. He just because they did not respond to the servants positively, he didn't stop sending. That is the reason why he says, I have sent you prophets and teachers rising up early in the morning. But the way you treated them, Isaiah was sawn into two. Can you imagine? It says, I think, I believe it's Manasseh. Yeah, Manasseh was a guy who <laughs> divided Isaiah asunder. <laughs> okay, to put it euphemistically, right? My goodness, unbelievable. Every true prophet of, the, of God was was persecuted. You know that. Uh, they wanted to kill Elijah. They wanted to uh, what do you say, capture Elisha, they smote Micaiah on his face, etc. So none of the prophets, genuine prophets of God were treated kindly. That is the reason why it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 6, he says, you know, woe to you if men speak well of you. So did they with the false prophets. But blessed are you, <laughs> on the other hand, right? So it's important. So what did they do? And he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. And then, finally, he sent his son. That's the reason why it says in Hebrews chapter 1, God in various times, in various ways, spoke to us by his prophets. Thank you, sister. Yeah. He uh, spoke to us by his prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by through his son, whom he has appointed as heir. Okay, he has appointed as heir of all things. Okay, well, who are who is that? Who is who is God's inheritance? We are his inheritance, not the world, etc. We are ultimately his inheritance. So, but when the wine dresser saw the son, this is of course talking to the, I mean, uh, alluding to the Pharisees, and Pharisees understood the parable, by the way. They really, really, really understood. It was so penetrating. <laughs> they understood exactly whom these wine dressers were. Wine dressers were, okay. Because a lot of people, even in the church, exactly they know who they are. Or wherever they are, no? They know exactly. But when the wine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his 
inheritance. Who are his inheritance? The people. They wanted that inheritance. That's exactly the reason why they're so upset. Look, in, in John's Gospel chapter 11, you don't have to turn there. The whole world is going after him, it says. <laughs> the whole the whole world is going after him. And that is the reason why Pilate understood that it was because of what? Envy. They handed him over. But when the Vaidrasas saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And then what happens? So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those winedressers? Answer. They said to him, he will destroy. They answered it with their own mouths. On, from their own lips. They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and leaves his vineyard to other wine dressers who will render to him what? The fruits in their seasons. Stop there. That's enough for today. Who will render? He's going to take away the vineyard and he's going to give it to the wine dressers who will render to God the fruits in their Seasons. That is the reason why it says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, and stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seals of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and this law that he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which shall bring forth its fruit in its season. Okay. That is one level of bearing fruit in its season. There is another level, bearing fruit in all season. That is where we find it in Ezekiel. Okay, all 12, 12 months there is season. Okay, because for love there is no season. Even though the world calls this is a season of love. Okay, love, long suffering, patience, etc. There is no season. They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and leave his vineyard to other wine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. Of course, what is, what are, we look at a specific fruit and of course this particular, um, uh, parable uh, has a backing up in the old covenant. It's Jesus, of course, is 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 is, is scanning through the entire old covenant and he's picking up one episode uh, from uh, the uh, prophecy of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter five. Let's read from verses one to six, actually. One to seven. One to seven. Now let me sing to my well beloved. The word is well beloved. And we are also his beloved because he has accepted us into his beloved. And he talks about Benjamin, the beloved of the Lord. 33.12, right? Deuteronomy, you see that? If I'm right. What does it say? Of Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him who shelters him all the day long and he shall dwell between his shoulders. He's talking about of course, the Benjamin, the right hand, right hand of God, and of course, we are also at the right hand of God, seated at the right hand of God, in Christ Jesus, right? In the Beloved, we have, He has accepted us into His Beloved. He has accepted us, okay? This is a picture of the church. Let's go back now. It's only a picture, a type of the church. Now, let me sing to my well-beloved, a song of my beloved regarding His vineyard. Kya baat hai? Well-beloved? And beloved. Who is the well-beloved? Of course, is not. it is, this is essentially Jesus. And in, in Christ, all of us. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. The hill is fruitful. Interesting, right? The vineyard is on a hill. Where did we find vineyards on hills? It's talking about the church, of course. 
on a very fruitful hill. Maybe there are vineyards on hills. I don't know. Let's move on. He dug it up, cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest wine. Okay. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. He expected it to bring forth. Actually, the word good is in italics in the original. Uh, which means he, he expected it to bring forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Okay, we'll understand what those wild grapes are. Next, go, move on. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. You be the judge, Jerusalem and Judah. What more could I have been done to my vineyard? What more could I do? You know, that's exactly sometimes what parents will say, you know. What else can I do to you? What all I tried. Tried that you would have a career or whatever. That I have not done in it. Why then when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And then goes on. And now please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. Kya baat? I will take away its hedge. And it shall be burnt and break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but they shall come upon, come up briars and thorns. I will command the clouds that they do not rain. And why? Verse 10. Now he explains who the vineyard is. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. So precise. The vineyard is the church and the people in the church are his plant. And what did he look for? What is the fruit? For justice. But behold, oppression. You know, the word is um, very interesting in the in the Hebrew. You don't have to turn the Hebrew. It's justice. It com- comes from the word mishpat. Okay. And oppression is mispach. It says play on words. Sablasai, sablasai, kavlakai, kavlakai. Line upon line. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. In the, if, if it's in the Hebrew, you understand the poetry. You know, when you translate poetry into into English, <laughs> you get these kinds of words. Okay, that's okay, no problem. For justice and behold oppression. For righteousness, but behold a cry for help. What did he look for? Justice. And what did he find? Oppression. Of course, and he talks about the vile kinds of grapes. Woe to you, etc., etc. We'll not go there today. We don't want to delve too much into the wild grapes because we all know that we have it in us. Okay, What's the whole point in dealing with wild grapes? We'll talk about it maybe later on if uh, the Lord permits. But today I want to look at the fruit here. He looked for what? Justice. And he looked for what? Righteousness. Two things he looked for. He looked for justice and he looked for righteousness. Both. We turn with me to Micah chapter 6. And verse 6 to 8. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord? (laughs) Look at this. With what shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Answer. It's a rhetorical question. And you should say, no. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Answer, no. 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? Answer, no, he even rejected Abraham's firstborn. He asked him, but he said, no, 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 no. I am going to send mine. Verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What is the good? Grapes. No, you look for uh, good grapes and good fruit. And what did he find? He found it vile grapes. What is good, he said. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? That means what is the kind of fruit in essence that the Lord is requiring of you? To do justly. Again the word mishpat. To love mercy. Second. And the third to walk humbly before your God. Isn't it interesting? To With every adjective there is a verb. To do justly. To love mercy. To walk humbly. Kya baat hai? He says, I'm not, I'm, I'm, he says, I don't want to, uh, I'm not, he, he doesn't say I'm looking for justice. He doesn't say I'm looking for mercy. He doesn't say I'm looking for humility. No, 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 he's not, he doesn't say those things. He says, I am looking for people who do justice. I'm seeking for a people who just don't show mercy, who love mercy. And I'm looking for a set of people who walk humbly, not in the sight of men, but before your God or with your God. Why? Only humble people can walk with humble people. Two proud people cannot walk together. See, I'll tell you something. If two people are not cannot are not able to walk together, that means one of them is proud. You understand? Yeah. And God, Jesus is humble yesterday. Yesterday I was listening to Brother Zach. Boy, he says, there are one, there's three principles in the Christian life, you know? The three principles according to Brother Zach. Humility, humility, humility. I mean, he, and he talks about Philippians chapter 2 where Jesus, he says, he talks about Jesus humbling himself first. First level of humbling, humbling himself, he says he took the form of a man. From God to man. And then from, from man to the form of a bond servant, second level of humility. From bond servant to the criminal who will hang on a cross. And he talks about, of course, the Apostle Paul. Least of what? First, apostles. Least of saints. Chief of sinners. It's amazing how humility works. So he says, to walk humbly with you. So in, in order to walk with God, you need to be humble. We'll talk about that later. But let us understand these three things. Just three things today. What is to do justice? What is it to love mercy? And what is it to walk humbly before your God? There could be several uh, dimensionalities for it, but I want to highlight a few of the vast dimensions of uh, what this particular verse can mean. The first part, to do justice or to do justly, is first part. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21, 3, 16, 11, and 11, 1, and 29, 26. 21, 3, 16, 11, 11, 1, 29, 26. Okay, four verses. Let's read, uh, let's read together. To do righteousness and justice. You see that? To do, to do. Say that everybody. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Very, very clear. That's the reason why I put that in order. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Second, 16, 11. Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. The word 
honest waits. The word honest is mishpat again. Just waits. And scales are the Lord's and the weights in the bag are his work. Third. 11.1. Dishonest scales, on the, on, on the other hand, are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Okay. 29.26. This is perfect. Many seek the ruler's favor, but the justice for man comes from God. So what kind of a justice we need to seek for and to do? The justice which comes from God. Or what we call as justification by faith alone. In other words, we do not ever justify ourselves. We allow God to justify us. That is what we call as to do justice. Let me read a few translations for you. If you can find it, great. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 in the normal NKJV translation. Or maybe you can, yeah, maybe NKJ, NKJV first. NKJV For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves Kya baat hai? <laughs> yeah, Because there are so many class wars Baba Even in one class there are several classes But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves Are not wise Okay now we look at the new living translation I hope it's there Oh, thank you. Yes, it's there. Oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I am as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves by themselves. What foolishness. I'm going to review, read, read for you the living Bible. It's, it's, it's even, even more interesting. I don't think it's there. Is, is it there? The living Bible, TLV? It's not there. Okay. Oh, don't worry. Oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I'm as wonderful as these other men who tell you how good they are. The trouble is that they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves against their own little ideas. What stupidity. You know why we never grow? Our standards are low. I like that. Claim, copyright claim. Hmm? You know why we never grow? Because our standards are low. Yesterday, our pastor was talking about it. No man can grow above his thoughts. No man can grow above his ideas. Here it says. Actually, in the, in the TLB, it talks about that. They're against their own little ideas. It's impossible to rise above the standards that we have set for ourselves. And therefore, we do not do justly as God would have us do. So question is, what is your standard? Who is your standard? It's not what is your standard. That's the reason why I put all those verses together. If you look, go back to Proverbs chapter 29 verse 26, it's filed up. Superb verse, 29, 26. And you can put it in different translations to get a nice spectrum of thought over there. Many seek, many seek the ruler's favor. But justice for man comes from the Lord. You see, it's like this, you know, we go to human court. Like that lady, you know, in Luke's gospel chapter 18. He goes to this justice, but he's an unjust just. 
judge. And he keeps on going to her and says, avenge me or vindicate me of my adversary, vindicate me of my adversary. And sometimes you may get justice or you may not get justice on the, on, on the human side of this, uh, of life. You may be vindicated or you may not be vindicated. But one day, there is one day, one day appointed where all wrongs will be righted before the throne room of heaven. All wrongs will be righted. All wrongs will be righted. Okay. The question therefore is, just because people wrong us, do we wrong them also? (laughs) No. Because our standards are not them. It is God. People, uh, the, the, the 11 brothers of Joseph thought that Joseph was just like them. He didn't, they did not know Joseph. Joseph had a higher standard altogether. If they were in Joseph's place, they wouldn't, I mean, they would have possibly done what Joseph, they thought Joseph was going to do to them. Okay, so comparing, who's our standard? If you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 9, look at what it says, you know, beautiful. This is 9 onwards, okay? This is what it says. Also, he spoke this parable. Thank God, no, Jesus spoke so many parables. Okay. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, you know, who compare themselves with themselves. I am my own standard. Nonsense. Nobody is their own standard. There is a transcendent moral standard. Okay. And when you look at that standard, you know what you will say like Isaiah? <laughs> Woe is me. The one who pronounced those six woes and who talked about all the wild grapes. In chapter 5, he comes to chapter 6 and he sees the holiness of God and the standards of God. And he says, you know what? Woe is me for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. This is my life. I am a man of unclean lips and the people around me are unclean. We are all unclean. We are all as an unclean thing, says Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. And all of our righteousnesses, righteous acts, translated in some other translations, is what? As filthy rags. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. This is a problem. You see, whenever we have a what condescending attitude toward others, we know that we are actually not having a right standing with God. If I was in your place, I wouldn't have done that. That's exactly what they did, no? If we were in our forefathers' place, we wouldn't have done what they did. And you know what Jesus says? Thereby, you are condemning yourself because you built the tombs of your forefathers, of the prophets. They killed the prophets, you built their tombs. Simple. You are not not any better than them. And therefore, all the guilt of the righteous blood which was shed from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, whom you slew between the altar and the porch will be upon you, upon this generation. Matthew chapter 23. So they despise others. They had a condescending look towards others. Condescension is a tremendous, tremendous, what do you say? Uh, excuse me. Condescension is a horrible attitude. If I can, if I look down 
frown upon others because of their color or their race or their social standing or their of their marks, lot no marks, less marks. I believe any man who works hard and does his best and is faithful will have the blessing of God. What says thou? I have the blessing of God. Anyway, that's just my take. Two men, so he talks about two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other tax collector. Look at this fellow. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. So he is comparing them. He is himself with himself. Now he is comparing himself with Others. No, he, he explicitly mentions who those others are. I am not like extortioners. How many of us are like extortioners? None of us are. I am not unjust. I don't know. It's very difficult to, it's very vain to say that I am not unjust. I always do the right thing. Think about that statement, no? Think about that statement. Oh, do you, you never show partiality in other words. I am not an adulterer. Hmm, really? You don't lust with your eyes, huh? Oh. See your standards. Your standards. Okay. That is the reason why the vilest offender says, right? But everybody at the foot of the cross is vile. We are all the richest to the The best of men. It says, let God be true. And every man, that is not just some men, take the best of men, is a liar before God. The best of fathers before God is an evil father. You look at the standards of God, and you look at yourself, you will say, Oh, I heard with my ears, now I have seen with my eyes. I abhor myself, and I repent. In sackcloth and ashes. That is to do justice. You know what? You know what is to do justice? To judge yourselves in the light of God. And in light of his word. You know what God says? When you do that, that is the fruit I am looking for. Oh, what a bunch of guys who judge themselves like this. I am not like this extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. In in other words, I am not a traitor like this fellow. Who sold himself for money. But are you a slave of your uh, job? See, alcoholic and workaholic, the same. Both are addicts. You know, what is vanity? In vanity is the chasing after the wind, right? I was reading a commentary by Warren Wiersbe on the book of Ecclesiastes. You know what he says? Vanity is like a bubble. Okay. Whatever remains after the bubble bursts is vanity. I thought it was a fantastic statement. Whatever remains after the bubble bursts is vanity. This is all vanity. You know, it's like puffed up. Puff up ka matab kya hai? Hawa hai andar. Kuch nahi hai. It's all air. Nothing inside. Once the bubble bursts, we know what happened to the to the stock market. Everything comes tumbling down. 
No? It's impossible to put <laughs> Humpty Dumpty together again. No? It's impossible. Broken eggs can't be made whole. You only have to make omelette and eat. Hmm? I fast twice. I give tithes. And then, verse 13, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much raise his eyes to heaven. That is the reason why it is good you know, some, for some people to commit sin so that at least they can come to the place where they can repent truly, genuinely. Self-righteousness is a terrible sin, Baba. That one thing that will keep you out of heaven. Who has more hope? The self-righteous fellow? Or a person who knows that he is a sinner? Well, just food for thought for all of us. But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. I tell you, this man went down to his house, what? Justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. That is the reason why Paul, you know what Paul says? You know how I do justice to myself? First Corinthians chapter 4, look at what he says. In First Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 to 5. And let us look at different translations, okay? Let us look at in uh, NKJV. And let us look at it in NIV and then we will look at it in message. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. You are not my standard. Not even any human court is my standard. Human court will call me, this guy is great. But there is one court. There is a human court and there is one court. There is a human court when Ahab was, Ahab was with Jehoshaphat. There was one human court which was saying, Ahab, you are justified and his God is going to deliver Ramoth Gilead into your hands. But there is a judge in heaven. Who is going to go and make Ahab go into war so that I can punish him? A lying spirit. And the one fellow who speaks the truth, he rejects that voice also. See? No human court. In fact, I do not even judge my own self. Kya baat hai? Even me is not my standard. I don't say, Sabash. <laughs> I never say that. For I know of nothing against myself. My conscience is clear. To the best of my knowledge, I don't owe any man anything or even God. Yet, I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. The word for judge in the Hebrew, uh, in, in the Greek is also to examine, also to search. And also to judge. Now think about it. If God were to begin to search our lives. We will run for cover. Right? And then, verse 5, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? Every word that you spoke or you thought or you didn't think, then each one will praise <laughs> Ultimately, we are all looking for prashamsa, na? You all need praise. That is the reason why he is a Jew who is not one outwardly. Who is a Jew? The Jew comes from the Hebrew word. Jew comes from the Hebrew word. Excuse me? Jew comes from the Hebrew word. Kya baat hai? It's an interesting question. Come on, Grace Church. Jew comes from the Hebrew word. 
क्या बात है The one who genuinely praises God is the one who receives praise from God. That is the true Jew. That's what it says in Romans chapter 2. No. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly. That means the guy who is just, and neither is circumcision outward in the flesh, but he is the one who is a Jew who is one inwardly. Circumcision is of the heart, by the spirit, not of the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who rejoice in Christ Jesus and who have no confidence in the flesh and fleshly praises and appraisals. That is the reason why appraisal time is the most depressing time for every software employee and the software employee. See, how much of work that I deserve. We don't deserve anything, Baba. That is the reason. How much do you earn? <laughs> More than I deserve. <laughs> I love that, no? How are you? Better than I deserve. Where do you live? A place more than I deserve. Beautiful place, no? That is the place to be. Place to be. Yeah. Attitude wise. Alright. So the first part we talked about is what? Justification is to do justice. Secondly, second part to do justice or to, to do justly is, if it is first is justification, second be what, will be what? Sanctification, of course, thank you. Let us go now. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 5. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 5. <laughs> I like that. The thoughts of the righteous are justice. That's the word. Hmm? Oh, by the way, before we go to this thought, let us go to First Corinthians chapter 4 and look at the MSG. Okay, before we go to sanctification, I want to look at MSG. Let us see what Eugene Peterson has to say. First Corinthians chapter. Yeah, thank you. It matters very little to me what you think of me, even less where I rank in popular opinion. I like that. <laughs> Super, no? What is your popular opinion? Number of likes, dislikes, subscribers, etc. I don't even rank myself. In India, everybody is running after a rank. Comparisons in these matters are pointless. This is so precise, man. Can we put a rank of all the best preachers in the world? Oh. Kya baat hai? Ultimately, he is going to rank one day. And you will be surprised. Whom you thought the best? So let, let no man judge anything before the time. So, comparisons in these matters are pointless, my dear brothers. I am not aware of anything that would disqualify me from being a good guide for you. But that doesn't mean much. <laughs> like that. This is humility. The master makes that judgment. And therefore, verse 5, so don't get ahead of the master. And don't, and don't Jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. That is the reason why it says, He who judges a matter before examination. The one thing which will ensure that you live in perpetual ignorance. You want to live in perpetual ignorance? Decision before examination. 
decision before examination. I forget that proverb. He who uh, hears the matter before something. Oh, he who he who judges a matter. Let's see. Oh yeah, judges a matter before he hears it. It's eighteen thirteen. Let's see the proverbs eighteen thirteen, and then come back to this place. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame to him. Another another translation, MSG maybe? Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. NLT. What a shame, what folly to give advice before listening to the facts. Don't answer anything. So, decision before examination condemnation before examination condemnation before examination isn't it interesting isn't it interesting think about this think about this the outcry of sodom and gomorrah is great and therefore what did god do he came down to see i heard reports about sodom and gomorrah as if he doesn't know anything. Does he not know? Oh, he knows. You know what is he doing? He's teaching us a lesson. If I have done this, how much more you and I? Adam, Adam, where are you? Does he not know where Adam is? He does. Adam doesn't know where he is. That's the point. He's teaching us. I have come down to see. I have come down to see. I heard so much about Sodom and Gomorrah. Is it really true? Is what I did. I have come down. Not because I need to know. I already know. I am going to teach you Abraham. How to do justice. How to do justice. That's interesting. And that's remarkable. According to me, that's one of the most amazing attributes of God. What do we call as humility? <laughs> My dear brothers. Humility. No, The guy who knows everything is the most humble so many times. No? class class The guy who knows most of the time the class is a quiet fellow. You know, he just uh, he, he just smiles at the others and he just keeps doing his work. When the exam comes, and then you know the mark. And you'll be shocked. Are okay. What a shame. And go back to First Corinthians chapter four, verses um four. Five onwards, five, just five in message, in the message. So don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. Kya baat? When he comes, he will bring out in the open and place in evidence all kinds of things we never even dreamed of. Kya baat hai? And you know what? All kinds of things will be your inner motives, your purposes. And even your prayers. Only then will any one of us get to hear the well done of God. What a translation. Eugene Peterson, Diljit Liya. Don't judge. Well done, good and faithful. So even if people don't appreciate you now, how does it matter? How does it matter? 
No, that's what I like about Mordecai. You know. Mordecai was a Jew who told uh, Esther about uh, the plot against the king. He saved. Did the did the king send even a thank you note? No. Chronicles me raga likdo re kya kya? Likdo. And at the right time, you know, you don't judge anything before time. Don't even give prashamsa before the time. Gold medal, don't give it right away. You see, a lot of people get honor before time. Humble yourself in the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Thank you. In due time. There is a time. Until then, we don't look for prashamsa at all. At all. We don't want it. We want. Maybe maybe some people say good, etc. We do what we want to do over and 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 over again. It is not important to be intelligent. It is important to be diligent. And so what does Mordecai do? Does he sulk? No. He is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And one day, at his time, at the due time, King gives an order concerning Mordecai. You know that story. And after that, it's interesting, right? Mordecai, he is literally honored before the entire population in the, of the town. Where does he come back? He comes back to the place where he's doing his regular chores. I, I like that. Go back to the drawing board, whether you're successful or unsuccessful. Understand? So, good principle to follow. So, don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgments before all evidence is in. So, what do we do? Therefore, we judge our motives, we judge our purposes, and we judge our prayers. Three things. That is what it is to do justly. We judge our motives in doing this, Lord. Are my, is my intention right? Is my intention to win the other person? Is my intention godly intention? Even in my intention to discipline others, is there reconciliation? Or that that person should be restored to God? So even when Paul says, I handed him over to Satan, why? So that his body may be destroyed, or his flesh may be destroyed, but his spirit may be saved on the day of judgment. That is the reason why he is disciplining also. That is his intention. Motive, purpose, prayer of each one of us. Let us judge it thoroughly, my dear brothers and sisters. And when he looks at that, he says, boy, I love it. And that is the reason why he says, the spiritual man judges all things, but he himself is not rightly judged by any man. Because a spiritual man, nobody will be able to understand. Why is he doing like this? He is spiritual. He is under control. He doesn't jump to conclusions. Easily. He takes his time. He allows time. He allows all the evidence to come in. Because you know what? Time and pressure. Geology is a science of time and pressure. Shawshank Redemption. Geology is a science of time and pressure. Time and pressure. Diamonds are formed under pressure. Time and pressure. Time and pressure. Intense pressure. Best diamond. Time and pressure. Understand that. Okay. So just 
wait <laughs> and keep on judging your own heart. Understand? Everybody? Everybody understand that? And keep on judging it. Be ruthless in as far as your heart is concerned. And don't let anybody to mollycoddle you. Let them speak the truth right to your face and take it like a man. I don't know how women take it, but you take it like a man. Okay? Let, the, let women take it like a woman. But you take it like a man. Let us not become people who will just go and sulk like Ahab. Bad breath. It's called Ruach Sar. The spirit of sullenness. Stinks in the sight of God. Let us not have that. So the first part therefore is we justify ourselves. I mean we just keep on judging our own hearts every day. Second, Not justify ourselves. We don't justify ourselves. We keep judging our own heart. Examine ourselves. Search. That is the reason I like that prayer of David. Lord, search me and try me. Know my path and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting life. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? Already. Let's go to the second part. Sanctification. So, which where else do we have to do justly? Proverbs chapter 12 verse 5 in different translations. Let us look at it, okay? The thoughts of the righteous are justice. That's the verse actually. But the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Counsels. Thoughts. Schemes, plans. Therefore, what we do? We seek God's thoughts. And we think God's thoughts. Because no man can rise above his thoughts. (laughs) Right? So Psalm 1 verse 1 will say, onwards will say, we'll come to that Psalm, beautiful Psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You see the counsel? Now stands in the way of sinners. There's a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is death. Not sits in the seat of the scornful. There'll be scoffers in the last days. Asking God, where is the promise of his coming? Asking, what is the promise? Where is the promise of his coming? But they are willfully ignorant of the justice and the ways of God. That God judged the world once. They don't want to even know it. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, that is meditates day and night. Okay, And therefore he shall be like a tree. Planted by the verse. Joshua chapter 1. We looked at that yesterday. Joshua chapter 1. Chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Look at what it says. Be strong and very courageous. Verse 6 onwards. Yeah. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous so that you may fight. No. So that you may 
observe. You see, in order to obey God, you need courage. You know that? Courage is not to fight. Courage is to obey. For God, when it says all the fearful will be outside. Why? They did not have the courage enough to obey. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And that is the reason why many of us, we fear and disobey. Whenever we disobey, it was some way or the other connected to fear. Fear of opinions of men, fear of loss, fear of loss of face. And somewhere or the other connected. Why do we lie? Because we fear. <laughs> Understand that. Okay. Only be strong and be very courageous not to fight Baba. But you that you may observe to do according to not few, all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. And then, how do we do? How does he, how will you achieve this? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That means you have to keep on speaking, 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 because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Therefore, let your tongue be instructed. How do you have an instructed tongue when you have an instructed ear? Morning by morning, he awakens me, and I did not turn as one disobedient. Then therefore I got the tongue of the instructed. And this book of the law, that's what it says in Ezekiel, when this scroll came, he just ate it up. What does eating up mean? What does eating up mean? Taking the word and internalizing it. Okay. That it becomes a part of you. Right? When you eat, eat an egg, it becomes you. It's a mystery. You eat egg, it becomes you. You eat meat, it becomes you. You eat palak, it becomes you. You eat brinjal, it becomes you. That's a mystery. So whatever you eat becomes you are what you. You are what you eat, bacha. Therefore, it says in Ezekiel chapter 3, it says, What do you find a scroll? Eat it, Baba. And how was it? Honey. When I found your words, Jeremiah say, I ate it. I devoured it. That's exactly what happens in some places, right? When you go to some places for preaching, there'll be a few people who'll be devouring every word. They're all ears. Their entire body is one ear. That's what it says. That's what it means, right? That the, that, that the, the word is, I'm all ears. What is it? What do you mean? What do you mean by all ears, boss? I'm giving you my total undivided attention. I'm just gobbling up everything that is coming out of your mouth. I'm like a glutton for the word which is coming out of you. I'm sucking it in. Some people can only suck milk. If you give them solid food, they will... And if you give solid food, babies will somehow not very good, no? Dangerous, no? I don't know. Doctor will tell us later on. Maybe. <laughs> okay. So, but you shall meditate in a day and night that you may observe to do what first, this should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. It is like ruminating over it. That's exactly what, uh, what cows do, right? They go to the grass field and they eat up very fast. 
That's what you should do. Read from Genesis to Revelation. Very fast. Sorry. It's all tearing apart now. <laughs> okay. Read, 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 read. I am not understanding. Read it nonsense. Read, read, read. And then, you know what? You will not believe it. How the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance. You may not even thought, you may, you may not, you might have thought, you know what? I, you know what? Some, you know, how, how do people study and memorize through their conscious mind? Generally, no. Everything happens through the conscious mind. But you know something? The beauty of scripture, it's going somewhere inside. And the Spirit of God draws that and some, somewhere you say, I saw this word somewhere. And then you have a whole pattern coming up, emerging in whatever language you are studying it. So gobble it up. Then go and mm, mm, get it out and start ruminating. Mouths meditate. Kya baat hai? That is how you do justice. <laughs> the thoughts begin to think the thoughts of God by meditation. He doesn't say read the word day in and day out, but meditate upon the word. Delight in the law and meditate upon it day and night. You see, meditate in it day and night. It says hege. It's like a lion which is eating its prey. You see, it's serious business. Yeah, when you have you, you should see National Geographic, the way it eats its prey. My God. Full concentration. A lot of people are like that when they eat food. Full concentration. Don't disturb. Don't speak while eating. Tanesh, <laughs> you're laughing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Full concentration. Okay. That you may meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is. First, you, this should not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate and then you observe. According to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But one condition. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate upon it day in and day out. Make it a habit. You know, I was thinking about it actually. And I was thinking, you know, how do, how do we uh, take worldly pursuits and make it godly? So that we don't forget meditation. I was teaching Abigail fractions the other day. Okay. And some questions have whole numbers and fractions, right? Now she's just getting used to it. It's a new thing for her, no? So she's, uh, she's trying to add two fractions, the denominators are the same, etc. The mixed fractions are there. And um, suddenly, a 3 by 3 comes, or a 4 by 4 comes, or a 25 by 26 comes, or 25 by 25 comes, no? And she looks at it and says, Papa, is this 25 by 25? It is 1, right? And I said, you know what, Abigail, whenever you see whole numbers, you should get excited. You know why? God wants to make us whole. Man wants to divide. God wants to unite. He wants to gather together into one. Who does not, whoever does not gather with me scatters abroad. 
That's what that's the reason why Lepold Chronicler, I think. Lepold Chronicler, yeah. God made whole numbers, all else is a work of man. Division is God, man's work. Wholeness is God's work. So I said, Abigail, whenever you get a whole number, you should get excited. <laughs> Thank God, no fractions. Because she's still, you know, new to that. I mean, I understand where she's coming from. So I'm slowly explaining to her all those concepts and it's beautiful. It's a good journey. So I was thinking, how do I teach math where she's excited about God? So it's a godly pursuit and no longer a worldly pursuit. Whole numbers. You'll get excited. Wherever you see wholeness, you should get excited. Okay. Understand? Man fractions. Fellow fractures. God makes one. First, of course, He brings division and makes it one. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a different division. It's a spiritual division. Alright, let's move on. So, how to do justice? To make our thoughts just thoughts. Okay? So think thoughts of justice. To keep our minds on the thoughts of justice. To think, to keep our mind on the standards of God, in other words. Start meditating upon those standards. Because unless nobody will reach, rather go above his thought life. So if you only aim to the stars, at least you will fall on the moon. Minimally. No? Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 to 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And then verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways, not your ways. For as the heavens are high than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts than your thoughts. Can we just put this in MSG, all these verses? It's good to read it in MSG. Sometimes. Not always. Seek God while he, he is here to be found. Pray to him while he is close at hand. Let the wicked abandon their way of life and evil their way of thinking. Look at that. Let them come back to God who, who is merciful. Come back to our God who is lavish with forgiveness. Beautiful. I don't think the way you think the way you work is in the way I work, God's decree. For as the sky soars above, high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. Is beyond the way you think. So go to Colossians chapter 3, and verses 1 to 4 in the NIV. So since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Why? Because our citizenship is of heaven. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. If you think, what? Food, drink, etc. Eat and drink. But tomorrow God is going to call you for an account. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. 
everything that you have done. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. And then go on. For you died. You died. And your life is now hidden with Christ. What more can I do to my what? Well beloved. And he has accepted us into his beloved. Therefore you died. And your life is now hidden with God in Christ. Uh, uh, with, Christ in God, uh, with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears. Who, when Christ your life appears. Is Christ your life? Your life appears. Then you also will appear with him in glory. And therefore you know what he does? Verse 5. Therefore put to death that which is because of this. Yeah. Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your what nature? Earthly nature. Don't let set your minds on earthly things. Earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, Evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. What is idolatry? Greed is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So, set your minds there. So, Paul gives even more precise uh, uh, um, points, I mean rather pointers as to what we should think on. We know this very well, but let us observe it once more. These verses. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 to 9. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 8 to 9. Finally, brothers. Finally, brothers. Whatever things are true. Boss, if it is not true, don't even let it rent space in your mind. I'll tell you something. Life is too short. Eternity is too long. Please, take that. It's a, I mean, it's a burden for my own life. Sometimes I look at some stupid movies. Sometimes, you know, I said, boys, how much time I waste? Lord, how much time I waste? I could have memorized so many other things, at least during that time. Which is not true. Don't even let it rent space. Don't even give it a one KB of space. Because if you give it KB... If you give a devil a foothold, gone. From KB to TB. In computer science language, okay? So don't even give an iota of space. In other words, try your level best to think on things that are true. What are what is that you invest your time in on a daily basis? This is a question. Do you have time for thinking on things that are true? Do you think it's a command or a, or a suggestion? Command. Be anxious for nothing. What is it? It's a command or a suggestion? He who has the commands of God is the one who, what? Loves God. Whatever things are true. Whatever things are noble, are you nobility? Are you, that the, actually the word which is rendered in uh, Greek is translated as august. August assembly. Respectful. That which becomes kings. 
अरे हम तो हम तो भाई कौन है हम तो महाराजा है छोटे मोटे बात पर हम लोग क्यों चर्चा कर रहे हैं वाई आर वी इवन थिंकिंग अबाउट स्मॉल स्मॉल थिंग्स इन आर लाइफ वी आर नोबिलिटी बॉस वॉट काइंड ऑफ प्रीस्टुड रॉयल प्रीस्टुड डू यू थिंक नोबल पीपल थिंक ऑल दिस नॉन सेंस थॉट इज अ क्वेश्चन पेटी थिंग्स लिटिल लिटिल इश्यूज वॉट थिंग्स आर ट्रू वॉट सो एवर थिंग्स आर ऑगस्ट नोबल वॉट सो एवर थिंग्स आर जस्ट राइचस इज दर वर्ड वॉट सो एवर थिंग्स आर प्योर वाई वन जॉन चैप्टर थ्री वर्सेज वन टू एंड थ्री वन जॉन चैप्टर थ्री वर्सेज वन टू एंड थ्री वन जॉन चैप्टर थ्री वर्सेज वन टू एंड थ्री सॉरी चैप्टर थ्री चैप्टर थ्री बिहोल्ड वॉट मैनर ऑफ लव बिकॉज दिस वॉट मैनर ऑफ लव द फादर हैज बेस्ट आउट अपॉन अस दट वी शुड बी कॉल्ड the sons of god or the children of god therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him and verse 23 beloved now we are the children of god and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and everyone who has this hope what does he do purifies himself as he is pure in order to do that think on what you are true things on think think on things which are noble think on things which are what of uh, righteous or just and things think on things which are pure and it says think on things that are lovely 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 means something which is pleasant to your eyes you know one of the common common commentaries ka commentators ka cricket commentator mein commentary mein ek acha sa ek acha shot mare to kya bolte lovely shot beauty this beauty to behold in the scriptures psalm 119 there's a fantastic verse forget that verse he says i have seen an end of all perfection but your commandments are exceedingly broad there is an end to all perfection what is it psalm 119 Yeah, yeah, please put it up. Psalm 100. You should write the whole psalm. Type type Psalm 119, verse 96. If I'm right, I don't know. 96. Yeah. Yeah. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, or the end of all perfection. But your commandment. Psalm 196 was 96, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, who can comprehend the love, the breadth and the depth and the width and the height of the love of God? You can comprehend it together with the saints of God. You can. You do you know that? You can. So whatsoever things are lovely, beautiful. You know, sometimes when you uh, look at a if you like watch if you like watching good movies you know they say the shashank redemption missed the oscar not because it was a bad movie it was a movie which kind of grew gradually and people started appreciating it because they looked at the subtleties in every detail you should see that movie is a beautiful piece of art of course notwithstanding all the other trash of the language which is used but yeah 
whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, virtue, so what are the things that are lovely, of good report, good report. It's very interesting, no? Good report. Think about it. How many of us are, are bechen? Bechen means bechen, you know? What is it? How do you translate it in English? How do you translate it? Huh? No, no, no. Becheni is a very, uh, forget that word, the exact, you, you can understand the depth of it in our language, you know. How many of us are really longing, yeah, longing, longing to hear a good report? Are you tired of all the nonsense in the news? My God. Because nowadays I can't watch news objectively anymore. I mean, I get really emotionally disturbed, so I don't watch news at all. I can't watch it. I mean, I get so angry, upset. I have all kinds of wicked thoughts. I feel like atom bombs should go and uh, destroy people, and sort of all these kinds of things happen in my mind. So, 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 and I and I justify it as righteous indignation and all that jazz. But you know what? <laughs> and I say, no, 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 Lord. It is these are all evil thoughts. I want good report, Lord. Good report. I'm not saying that you should not watch it. If you have the ability to watch it objectively, like the way Pastor James does, uh, you are a blessed man. But you have to mature to that level. Okay. I cannot tolerate sometimes. I just get angry with see, the moment I'll, somehow, you know, my, uh, there's an automatic, uh, c- uh, control on my, on my, on my fingers because I've watched CNN for so many years. Automatically, I go to www.cnn.com and I look at the website. I get so upset and I say, immediately I go to Fox News. Immediately. And then nowadays I see Fox News also, I get depressed. I just stop watching completely now. Nothing. No good report anywhere. When it is depressing you, might as well stay away from it. If you have the ability to watch it objectively, Praise God, but we need to grow there, okay? We need to grow, we need to grow there, okay? If there is any virtue, if there is anything which is praiseworthy, what should you do, Macha? Meditate, Baba, meditate! That is how we do justice. And when God looks at that, He says, you know, this is the fruit I'm looking for in my children. I'm looking for justice, and behold what? Oppression! And what has happened? Because people have allowed all kinds of negativity to come into their mind. They are oppressed. They are oppressed themselves and they oppress others. Oh, may the Lord deliver us from that. Okay. That is, therefore, 414, Jeremiah. Another good formula to remember. 414. Okay. We know all our palindromes, right? 424, 818, 717, 414, 323. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's also another palindrome. Okay. This is another palindrome. 414. Oh, Jerusalem, wash your hearts from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall you, shall your what thoughts? Evil thoughts lodge, or rather it says harbor. In, 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 in the original, and I, in, not in the original, in the NIV, it says, how long will you harbor large evil thoughts within you? I'm telling you, bro, the nests are following me wherever I go. What did I say? I told you, no? You can, a bird can fly over your head, but it should never be allowed to make a nest on your head. You wouldn't believe it. I, I can give you an experiment now. You take your helmet, okay? 
your helmet, my helmet, anybody's helmet, and put it upside down and hang it on your on your uh, bike handle, and observe it after three or four hours. You have two sparrows over here. Here, right here, in our in our in our church church office yard. Within three four hours, they will make make a nice nest in your helmet. It did not happen to me once. Four, five times. And I was saying, Lord, why is this happening? I'm teaching you a lesson, Vijay. Object lesson. Don't harbor evil thoughts. You make a nice cushion for the evil thoughts. They like the cushion of the helmet, no? Oh, they're so soft and nice and they make it even more soft. And they come and they make a family. That's it. Before you know, you are gone. Your head is useless. Babylon, Babylon. A cage for every every unclean bird. A cage for every unclean bird. And what has happened now? Your mind has become a prison of evil thoughts because they have they have been lodging there for so many years and you have to break out, break through. Cannot think straight. You cannot think straight. Some people cannot. They cannot. They are incapable of thinking straight. Because they have allowed evil thoughts to lodge in their minds for several years. Therefore it says, and weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let's look at that verse before we go to the next point. 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, etc. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then, what, what, don't stop there. And being ready to punish. In other words, all kinds of disobedient thoughts keep going on. You take that iron rod and smash it. So that they don't even stay there. Punish all disobedience with your, when your obedience is fulfilled. My goodness, I was shocked. I said, boy, this is deja vu. Over and over, why is it happening to me? It didn't happen with Sammy. It didn't happen with Peter. He also hangs his helmet. I hung it in a very interesting angle though. But that notwithstanding, the fact that it was very inviting. Yeah, it's inviting. Actually, it's very inviting. Some of, some people's minds are in, very inviting. You don't have to go for gossip. Gossip finds you. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> okay. It just comes to you. Okay. Understand that. Alright, let's go to the next point. So if we have the, uh, justice in judging ourselves, justice in thoughts, doing justice in the way we think. Third, justice in practical living. Okay, go to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 8. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 8. I like that. Kya baat hai? Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without Justice. <laughs> In other words, 
every money that comes into your account, judge it. And every money that goes out of your account, judge it. Manisilaya. Better is a little. You know what is the what is the antidote for all for covetousness? Contentment. What is it? Contentment. Simple living. Doesn't matter how much money God puts into your account, it will not change your life, Baba. Can you come to that point in your life? Then God can trust you with more. If you are not faithful with what mammon? Unrighteous mammon. How can God entrust into your hands eternal riches? Commandilla, question, Monsieur. Vast revenues without justice. So what do we do? Ask God for contentment, no? Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 onwards. 11 to 13. Because pastor was using these verses in some of his uh, messages. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learnt both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. And verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you know what? What is it? The key is verse 11. Key is verse 11. Key is verse 11. Just put verse 11 on the screen. Not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned in what Whatever state I am to be content. Whatever the state may be, I am content. I have learned. That's the key. There should be contentment, discontentment in as far as God's riches are concerned. In in as far as holiness is concerned. In as far as victory over sin is concerned. People are satisfied with spiritual life. Very content. But discontent in all kinds of worldly things. That's the problem. You understand? First Timothy chapter 6 verses 6 onwards. Yeah, 6 to 10. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Everybody say that. Great gain. Great gain. <laughs> what is great gain, Baba? Godliness with contentment. Worldly, I mean, physical exercises, bodily exercises, profits little. But, spiritual exercises increases up to godliness. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain. Naked I came and naked I go, said Job. We can carry nothing out of it. Verse 8, and having food and clothing, roti or kapada. Makan bhi nahi. Makan bhi nahi, baba. Ghar bhi nahi, not even a house. There goes your American dream, shattered. (laughs) Nice independent house, a huge lawn, two cars on the the yard, a duplay, 
and a million dollar mortgage. What is mortgage? Till you die, you have to pay. That is mortgage gauge. Death trap, literally. <laughs> Understand that. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. If God chooses to add a different thing, but I am not interested in those things. I am not interested. I am not say. I am not even interested. I don't even want to think. Because life is too short. <laughs> Eternity is too long. Amen. But those who desire to be rich. Fall into temptation. And the snare. And to many foolish and harmful lusts. Which drown men in destruction and. You know what is the antithesis for faith? That's what he says in Hebrews chapter 10, right? Now now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul will shall not have pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back unto what? Even perdition. The antithesis of faith is the love for money. Are you right? It's drawn men, men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, it's not the money, it's the love of money, which is a root of all kinds of evil, for, for which, from which some have strayed from the faith. You see that? You see that? They have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You see that even Sushant Singh Rajput, boy, 34 year old, what else could he achieve in life? Suffering with depression. Depression. <sighs> Unbelievable. So, this is what is to do? Justice. Justice in judging ourselves. Justice in our thought life. Justice in our practical living. One way to do it is to be content in all things. Finally, this is when we do justice. See, we have to first judge ourselves in all these things and finally how to do justice towards others also is given. I'm just going to touch upon it. Okay. Go to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 23 and 29, 4. 24, 23 and 29, 4. These things also belong to the wise. What is it? It is not good to show partiality in judgment. You know, it says, it is not supposed to, God accepts no man's face, huh? You should not show partiality to somebody because he is poor. No. You should not side with the poor just because he is poor. And you should not work against the poor for the rich because he is rich and is giving you money. No. Either way. That is the reason why we need to have the mind of Christ. How will you? He will not judge with the seeing of his eyes or the hearing of his ear. But how does he judge? By righteousness. Man never shows partiality. 
I'll show you one verse. One verse. Fired up verse. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Okay. Verse 13 onwards. Let's read a few verses here. <coughs> Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As what? Obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all manner of conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Then, and if you call on the Father, now look at this, if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, what should you do? Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things. How is how do you judge? Without partiality means, Lord, let me never show favoritism to anybody. Let me never. Let me have that attitude that I always give opportunities for everybody. Because he does it to everybody. One one God who is an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> All the others will only claim, but they don't. Proverbs. The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it. (laughs) That is the reason why in the church also giving should be secret. Pastor James keeps saying, I don't want to know anybody. I don't want to know your name. Because automatically somehow the attitudes change. Very few people who give without expecting. Very, 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 very few. Very few. Extremely few. There's, one, there's God and then, then, then there's Apostle Paul. After that I don't know. Very few. Let's look at this one last set of verses and we can stop for today. (sighs) James chapter 2. Verse 1 onwards. My brothers, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Do not hold the faith... Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with partiality. Kya baat hai? Isn't it amazing the construction of these verses? That is the reason why the language of the Bible is different. Who writes the letters like this, Baba? Did you ever comprehend, I mean, you did, did you even ever think these kinds of statements? These are Holy Spirit inspired statements. My brothers, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with partiality. It's like holding on to truth in what? 
in unrighteousness, it says in Romans chapter 1. With partiality. Verse 2. It gives us the reason why. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there comes also a man in a poor, in a poor man, uh, there also comes in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with, judges with evil intentions or evil thoughts? Boy. So difficult for us to do this, right? Only God can do it. That is the reason why you have to start thinking the way God thinks. Who gives all his children equal opportunity. Finally, last verse for the day. Before we call it a day. <laughs> okay, let me, two two thoughts maybe and then we will see. Twenty-one fifteen, yeah, last. Proverbs twenty-one fifteen. It is joy for the just to do justice. Kya baat? For destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. It is joy. Oh, this is a delight for them. They are not compelled to do these things. They enjoy it. In other words, they enjoy judging themselves. <laughs> Even if it hurts. <laughs> because they know that ultimately when you judge yourselves, true joy will come. Yeah. Joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it is a joy to do justice. Therefore, what does he require from you, O oh man? To do justice. Second, to love mercy. Third, to walk humbly. Maybe a few thoughts on loving mercy. You know, the word mercy here in this case, it says, comes from the Hebrew word chesed, which means covenantal love. Okay, chesed. Goodness and mercy. That's the last words that Peter used in his, uh, in his worship today. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What is mercy? It's a covenantal love of God. The assurance that God will never ever forsake me. In other words, He will never divorce me. He will never let me go. He's going to be all there, always there beside me. Once He has made a covenant with me, He's not going to break His part of the covenant. Because he made his covenant with his own blood. You know what it tells me? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Why will he not with him freely give us all things? What are those all things? Just want to look at a couple of verses. Let's go to Psalm 136. And verse 10 onwards. 
to him who struck Egypt in his firstborn. For his mercy endures forever. Oh Lord, you know what? I was supposed to die. But you struck your firstborn son so that I could have life. Your mercy endures forever, Lord. You brought out Israel from among them. How? For his mercy endures forever. Third, with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm, when I was powerless, when I was sinner, when I was an enemy of God, when I was an ungodly, Christ Jesus, what? Died for me. For his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea into two, he, I was, what? Baptized into his name, right? So that I could come out and walk in the water of life, newness of life. How? Because his mercy endures forever. Maybe we should meditate upon this later on. And I just wanted to give us a small teaser before we stop for the day. Verse 14. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it for his mercy endures forever. And then he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. How did he do? What does that mean? Every principality and every power of darkness, he nailed it to the cross. He disarmed every principality. He disarmed every pointing finger. He disarmed every accusation. He disarmed every condemnation. No condemnation. Now I dread Jesus and all in him is mine alive. In him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim my crown through Christ my own. Amazing love! How can it be? That thou, my God, should die for me. And finally, to walk humbly before your God. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Love this. We'll, we'll talk about what does love mercy mean. He has shown you a man what is good. Okay. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly. Second, to love mercy. Third, to walk humbly with your God. You know what? The, the one thing which actually I was thinking about was uh, listening to one man of God called um, Alistair Begg. Recently I've discovered this man. He's a good preacher, teacher. He doesn't agree with so many of R.C. Sproul's teachings, by the way. And R.C. Sproul keeps on inviting him to his conference. Yes, it's good. <laughs> anyway, that is a different thing. But you know what he says? He's, he's a minister in Parkside Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He And his con- congregation has got people from different different backgrounds. And some, some of them are very highly educated people in uh, in universities and colleges and research institutions, etc. And he looks at all of them and he says, I know some of you are studying labs, work in labs, and you're researchers, and you're you are CEOs of companies, and you are uh, you're scientists, etc. Let me tell you something. You all come to my church. I want to tell you something. Whatever your education, whatever your thought life, whatever be the things which have been, which have been, uh, which you have been instructed with. But let me tell you something. You want to walk with God. Tell him, Lord, I surrender my mind to the word of God, even if I don't like it. That is walking humbly with God. I come under the authority of the word of God, even though I will, I may not like it. And most of the times I will not like it. 
I remember Pastor was telling us, you know, once time, once upon a time, I don't know if you were there. He said, you know what? He told me, Vijay, he told me. Vijay, the day the breakthrough came into my life, you know what? When the break, breakthrough came into my life, I said, Lord, whatever your word says, I will agree. I will come under its authority. Even if my thoughts are completely contrary to what your word says. Then the breakthrough started coming into his life. What does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. And let's pray. Let's all stand up and let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. You're a good God, your mercy endures forever. You have showed us today what you require from us. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. Grant us grace so that we may put to practice what we have learned. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.